If you've been going around the good old internet looking for the right podcast to fulfill your New York Yankees needs, well, I'll be the first to deliver the good news to you. You have found it. Here on Yapping Yankees with me, your host, Mike Scudero, you and I will be discussing the latest news, takes, and talk throughout the entire Yankee universe. Oh, and there may be some ranting on my behalf. Yeah. Anyway, what do you say we get to it? Let's get to yapping! Well, hello there, my fellow Yankee fans, and welcome to episode 177 of the Yapping Yankees podcast, where we yap about the Yanks and nothing but our Yanks. As always, I am your host, Mike Scudero, here on April 2nd, 2023, as the regular season has arrived, my friends. Yes, clap it up. An applause is appropriate. My God, I cannot believe the regular season is here. It's April already. It's April. And I'm recording late again tonight. It's 7.30 here on Sunday night. The sun is still decently out. You know, I love that too. It's just a sign of everything turning around on the calendar. Baseball is back to having games that count. And also, along with the return of the regular season... For 2023, as we spoke about last week, it is also why the episode just overall is called The Return, because it's the return of more than just the regular season, the return of a lot of things. It's also my return to Yankee Stadium this weekend. I went to my first Yankee game, as I said last weekend, yesterday. It was my first Yankee game in over four years. (laughs) It's a long time. Holy crap! Yeah, holy crap is right. (laughs) I've earned that. (laughs) Took a long hiatus from Yankee Stadium, and yesterday I finally returned. And despite the Yankees taking a loss, I do have to say I had such a fantastic time because aside from what I got to witness in the game from the excitement in-game with getting to witness Volpe getting his first Major League hit, or I should say hits, I guess, because he had more than one. That was awesome. Stole a base right after his first one. Shocker there. Had another stolen base in today's game. Stole a base in each of, the, of his first three Major League games this weekend. The first three of what I assume will be a crap ton of stolen bases this year. Saw a fantastic catch by Judge in center field. Not a shocker there. And also not a shocker getting to see Stanton hit an absolute piss missile into right field. So there was that. Unfortunately, my boy Stanton, you guys know how much I love him. I was really hoping that in the rain, and the rain actually added to like how cool it was in the ninth inning. It added to the epicness of the, of the environment in Yankee Stadium. All of us going insane. It was 7-4 going into the bottom of the ninth yesterday. And Stanton came up to bat. With the score up seven, with the score seven to five now, Giants in the lead. After Judge got an RBI single, then Rizzo walked, and then Stanton came up, and unfortunately on a 2-0 count after a pitcher violation, and then a ball out of the strike zone, of course, 2-0 count, and then he hits into a double play. Unfortunately, there was a replay afterwards because they thought maybe at second base a foot came off the bag upon receiving the throw, and maybe even the same thing happened in the first base, but. The call stood on the field, and people were doubtful of it, rightfully so, because also along with what I saw on opening day, and then from what I heard from people, because obviously you can't see it from the television view when you're actually there, but I was told that it continued on Saturday as well while I was there. The umpiring this weekend was actually 
a, a comedy routine. It was unbelievable. Just when you think these umpires cannot get any worse when a specific season ends, like like 2022 ended, and I just had it end like, you know what? The umpires could not possibly get worse. And after every single season, you tell yourself that, guess what happens? The umpires manage to just outdo themselves every single year. And they're just about as bad as they've ever been <laughs> to start 2023. Between what I saw on opening day and what I heard was going on in last night's game when I was there, my God, as much as, you know, you guys know that I'm, I have a tough time believing in guys like Donaldson and Hicks especially, I heard they got hosed on calls yesterday when I was at the game. It's just, and that's just two of many examples I've heard of and seen. It's just been really bad umpiring wise. But aside from that yesterday, aside from the loss, the game ending double play by Stanton, it was a lot of fun, a great game, had great seats, field level, first base foul territory, and something really, really upsetting happened to me. <laughs> I've told this story to so many people now. And I'm still so sad about it. I'm not like angry or like distraught by it, but I'm so sad. More or less, I could have gotten a ball from Anthony Rizzo yesterday, and I didn't. I'll explain what happened for those who don't know. (laughs) Oh, God, it's so annoying. So, it's in between innings. And you know how the first baseman throws the ball around to all the rest of his fellow infielders for them to just, you know, practice fielding in between innings. (laughs) God, I'm so sad. So, at the end of all that, usually the first baseman, when he still has the ball, right before the next half inning is getting ready to start, especially particularly when it's the home team's first baseman, they get ready to throw the ball into the crowd, like Rizzo was doing in this particular half inning. I don't even remember what inning they were going into. It was maybe either the top of the third or the top of the fourth, towards like the beginning, midway-ish point of the game, and I bring a glove with me whenever I'm this close to the field because you just never know. So, had my glove at the ready. Rizzo was looking around my section. I was having my hand up. I was having my glove up, waving. And I swear, he saw my glove. We understood each other. And then (laughs) he threw the ball. When I tell you, it was right at me. The ball was headed for the palm of my hand, guys. I had my glove out. The trajectory to me was perfect. It was a perfect throw by Rizzo. I had my glove at the ready. Swear to God this happened. And just when I got ready to close my glove, and I did, I even had a two-handed catch prepared just to make sure that I secured the ball in the glove. I closed the glove, and for a split second I wondered, why the hell didn't I just feel a thud? It wasn't because I missed it. Because I'm actually very good at having catches and catching a ball that's not the problem. I was just wondering why wasn't there at least a thud against my glove or with the ball going into the glove? Why was there nothing? The reason why there was nothing was because at the last second, a guy who must have been no shorter than like six and a half feet tall stood up and snatched the ball out of thin air with his bare hand. Swear to God. It was one of the most depressing experiences of my entire life. Oh, I could have gotten a ball from Anthony Rizzo, and I didn't. 
I swear, guys, he threw it. That ball was meant for me. It was right at me. <laughs> it was a perfect throw. And the guy two rows in front of me, I mean, credit to him. It's hard to do this, even if it is on a soft toss. The guy just stood up and yanked that crap right out of midair with his bare hand. That was probably the biggest buzzkill I've ever experienced in my entire life. Just, I mean, the euphoria was incredible. I was getting ready to get get a ball from Anthony Rizzo. That would have been framed in my room today already. The very next day. And I didn't get mad at the guy. I didn't want to get mad at him. I don't like to start trouble at games. and just, You know, he got the ball. Whatever. Credit to him. Stood up, grabbed the ball. Good for him. He got it. But I even reached forward into the row in front of me like I wanted that ball. I didn't really have to reach into the row in front of me if I didn't want to, to be honest. Because that's how perfect the throw was from Rizzo. It was perfect. Because give or take in my area with the people directly next to me and in front of me, nobody was really like standing up, believe it or not, and going insane for the ball. So I think literally when I was waving with my glove to Rizzo, like opening and closing my glove... Like, he just, he, that throw was meant for me, guys. This guy snatched it away from me. What what can I tell you? (laughs) So, I almost, I came within literally less than a couple of feet away from walking out of Yankee Stadium with a ball from Anthony Rizzo yesterday. In my first game back at the stadium in four years. So, that was a little frustrating, but it was also a really cool experience to know that Anthony Rizzo literally threw a ball to me that was legit intended for me. But it definitely would have been cooler for me to have it here and framed in my room and be able to post it on social media as evidence and being proud of it, the fact that I have a ball that Anthony Rizzo threw directly to me, not even just a foul ball or anything just hit off a bat that happens to go wherever the hell you can't control it, that Anthony Rizzo threw me a ball. But instead, somebody else two rows in front of me gets to tell that story instead. (laughs) Oh, God. I'm just going to have to live with it. Whatever. Maybe one day I'll get tickets close to that area again. I'd love to, and I definitely could. And maybe I'll get a similar opportunity. But it's not every day you get a player to just, you know, directly almost make eye contact with you or your glove and just... Throw a ball to you that is literally intended for you, and, and then the guy in front of you just destroys your hopes and dreams. But I guess that happens. There's nothing you can do. But aside from that, that experience, how awesome the game was, and even how electrifying it was in that bottom of the ninth, even though they ended up coming up short, I also got to spend a lot of time with some of Yankee Twitter's greats, a lot of friends who I've been interacting on there on Twitter with forever and I haven't gotten to meet yet, and I even got to see some familiar faces that I already have met. That was a lot of fun as well, but got to spend a lot of time with some really good friends. Victoria, my girlfriend, and I had a great time, just the two of us sitting in our seats and hanging out with other people and enjoying the game, taking it all in. It was a lot of fun, and I'm so glad it worked out with the weather as well because the forecast leading up to Saturday on most weather maps, including my own, was looking awfully bleak. It was really looking like we weren't going to get the game in. But then, like the night before, and especially the morning of, despite how miserable outside it was the morning of, it was still raining, it was pouring earlier in the morning. And just got a really good time window to get the game in. Because around noon or one in the the afternoon, 
the rain cleared out and the sun actually came out. And in the middle of the day, it was beautiful outside. <laughs> it was sunny, not a cloud in the sky. Anywhere from like 65 to 72 or 3 degrees. You never could have been able to tell that it rained earlier in that day and as badly as it did, no less. You could never have been able to tell. If you would just open your eyes, if you slept in on Saturday and you open your eyes at like 1 o'clock in the afternoon, you never could have been able to tell here in New York that it rained all morning because it was a different kind of day. It was, just, it was like two separate days in one day, weather-wise. So that worked out. I had an awesome time at the game. So awesome, in fact, that I already booked more tickets for another game. <laughs> On April 15th, I'm already going back. So if any more of you than those who already did want to meet me or if I've already met you and want to hang out again, want to hang again at the stadium or for the first time, depending who you are, then be sure to hit me up again. I'd love to get together with more people. I love hanging with people at Yankee games. I don't even just stay in my seat. I stay in my seat for the majority of the game, but I also make my rounds and go see people. It's a lot of fun. It's really a good time. So if you're going to the game on the 15th, let me know. Hit me up and we'll uh, we'll meet up because I love doing that. But it was my return to the stadium. The regular season's return after opening weekend is now officially over. Baseball season is here. It's really hard to believe. Like, I'm sitting here on Sunday night, and, like, I'm just thinking about the week ahead, and, like, oh, my God, I got this to do and that to do. But then the realization hit me. Like, oh, my God, amidst all of it, like, I can go home at night, and the Yankees will be on. (laughs) And that does wonders for me mentally, as I'm sure it does for you, especially if you have a crazy busy schedule and a busy job like me. But... That just makes me so happy when when that realization hits me. Like, oh my God, despite how chaotic my life is and how busy my job is, I can have a Yankee game tomorrow night. And yes, of course, the Yankees can add to that turmoil, but it also has the potential of not doing so. And also just knowing that you have baseball. It's when you love it as much as I do and you love the Yankees as much as I do. But again, just loving baseball as much as I do in general, that just really helps To know that especially when you're going through a really hectic and stressful time, that you can just kick your feet up, even if just for a couple of hours, on a weeknight, any sort of a night, because baseball's played nearly every single day of every single week for about six to seven, maybe even, you know, a little closer to eight months total with spring training and the World Series accounted for between that time window. You just kick your feet up, even if just for a couple of hours, and just watch baseball. Just enjoy it. That does wonders for me mentally. So, I hope you enjoyed opening weekend. I know I did. I could not even believe that I was watching it on Thursday. Thursday's game was great. The game that I went to, despite it being a loss all throughout, was great. It was a lot of fun. And today's game was great. Really fun opening weekend. It's just surreal that the Yankees are back on television with games that count, because they have been back on television occasionally throughout spring training, obviously, but with games that count. And again, even at the game, it was just awesome to see Volpe being his second game and getting his first major league hit and being able to say that I was there to see that for the rest of my life and seeing Judge have an incredible game because he was awesome. He didn't hit any home runs, but he had multiple hits, including that RBI single, that crucial RBI single to keep that rally going in the bottom of the ninth. Just a lot of fun. Lots of fun this weekend. I'm so glad I finally made it back to Yankee Stadium. 
and along with the tickets that I already have booked for the 15th, I will be making many returns to Yankee Stadium this year. I'm treating myself. I went four long years, and yeah, it was self-inflicted, so I don't have a right to complain, but I went four long years without going to Yankee Stadium, and this year, I'm making sure that 2023 is the year that I treat myself to a crap ton of Yankee games once again. I'm making it happen. And hopefully, if I get good tickets like the ones that I had yesterday, if a player happens to throw a ball right to me, I can actually get it this time without somebody snatching it out of midair two rows up in front of me. (laughs) I'm trying my best not to be sour about that, guys, but my God, I can't help it. I mean, wouldn't you be upset? (laughs) I'll get over it. I'll get over it. But honestly, overall grade on opening weekend, I would say is an A, because I had so much fun at the game, and the Yankees took the series best two out of three. The only thing that could have made it an A-plus, of course, was a sweep. And it definitely would have been an A-plus-plus if they got the sweep with a walk-off on Saturday when I was there in that awesome bottom of the ninth. That could have been a walk-off, but unfortunately wasn't. But hey, still an awesome opening weekend overall. I have to say, thoroughly enjoyed it. Solid A. But... Games aren't the only thing that happened this past week, even though that's mainly what we're concentrated on, obviously, but a lot of things happened prior to the games that we should get to and transition into Yankees news having to do with things like the roster and whatnot. When we spoke last week, when talking about the roster, it was an eventful episode last week because if you guys know, I sort of divided up into more than one part because it was before I went out for the day and then after I came home and... We were talking about whether Volpe was going to make the roster or not before I left. And then after I came home, within that time span that I was gone, it was announced that Volpe made the roster. So certain things roster-wise I was able to update you on, including Anthony Volpe, before (laughs) I ended the episode. So those things we need not go over again. We did talk about things like Peraza being sent back down, which, yes, I was upset about because... I definitely felt like his body of work spoke for itself, and I know he did have sort of a downspring, but I felt like he deserved to be here. I did. With what he showed last year, throughout the second half when he was up, and even when they were forced to use him in the playoffs. I think he showed plenty, especially defensively. And I really wanted to see him get another shot here, at least to start the season, but he'll be getting consistent at-bats down there, and I'm sure he'll be back. I I said all this last week, but it is what it is. Peraza's not up, at least for now. But Peraza was sent down last Sunday. Matt Crook was sent back down, as well as Carlos Narvaez and Nick Ramirez, Ian Hamilton, and Greg Weissert as well. So just some final roster moves as we made our way out of spring training. On top of also having recalled Johnny Brito from AAA, obviously he made his start today. We're going to get to him because he looks like a possible gem of a call-up. My mom's boyfriend referred to him as a diamond in the rough, and you know what? That's pretty damn accurate from what we've seen so far between that start that he had against the Blue Jays, I believe it was, in spring training when he pitched over five perfect innings, and now in today's start, as you'll hear later when we get back to weekly recap, weekly recap is back, the real weekly recap, regular season edition with the time machine sound effect and everything, (laughs) so we'll get to that and everything later. But he was recalled. He's being put into the rotation, definitely at least for now, amidst all the rotational injuries to Rodon, Severino, Montas, the whole deal. 
So he's in there for now, and he might just, if he keeps pitching the way he did today, and like they saw him pitch in spring training, he might just earn a spot, (laughs) at least for now. Because at least when Rodon and Severino come back, they're still going to be seeking who might be the right person to take that five spot. And you know what? If Brito keeps pitching this way, I might not be very opposed to giving him a shot for that spot. (laughs) I really might not be, so... We'll see what happens, but at, at least definitely for now, especially while Rodon and Severino are out, you better keep him in that rotation. <laughs> you don't really have another choice, especially if he continues to pitch this way. So they recalled him. Anthony Volpe obviously was signed to his major league contract and called up. Scott Efros to the 60-day IL, since we're probably not going to see him this year because of his Tommy John surgery. Luis Heal is still on the 60-day injured list, recovering from his Tommy John surgery. Could we see a Luis Heal resurgence? comeback later on in the season who knows Harrison Bader's on the 10-day IL working his way back from his oblique strain still and by the way an injury update on him they said on yesterday he's been doing swings underwater in the water and he's been making some good progress gonna dry swing soon and then of course take some BP soon face some live pitching the whole deal and just work his way back and hopefully he'll be back in the next couple of weeks because I miss Bader I mean he was having himself a good spring before he got hurt and Obviously, we remember what he did after he came here last year. After the trade deadline, when he finally came back from his injury, and the party played in the playoffs, was probably the best hitter in the playoffs next to Anthony Rizzo. So I'm looking forward to him coming back and seeing what they do with the roster when he does come back, and also with the outfield alignment, because he will be back out there in center. And they'll have to figure out how to manage with him, Stanton, Judge, Cabrera, and then what to do with even more potential backup outfielders like our guy Aaron Hicks, of course, and also who you saw out in center field today for his first major league start in center field, IKF. And he actually looked pretty comfortable out there. Talk about that later as well. But Bader still working his way back, making progress. Ben Rortvit, who I'm still convinced is a fictional character, is still on the 10-day injured list. Luis Severino working his way back as well, slowly but surely, alongside Carlos Rodon. They're both making their progress. Hopefully they're back within the next couple of weeks. That'd be nice. Lutrevino's also starting up his throwing program. His his coming back is said to be a little bit slower because of the nature of his injury, but Hopefully he'll be back by May. That'd be a nice addition to the bullpen. Tommy Canely's been receiving a cortisone shot or shots, and uh, they hope that he can pick up the pace soon. And obviously we know that Frankie Montas is going to be out until at least the second half, most likely even throughout the entire freaking season. So those are more or less your injury updates, last-minute roster moves as well, out of the ones I wasn't able to cover before I ended last week's episode. And also a couple of really quick moves that the Yankees made this past week, signing and trading-wise, actually, made a couple of little moves, was they actually signed Franchi Cordero to a $1 million deal. And this surprised me. I mean, he's been seen playing the infield, the outfield. And honestly, the overall consensus on Cordero is that he's known to strike out a lot, and he's basically a nightmare in the field. Not really sure why they acquired him. Maybe it's just for depth. Maybe he'll get little to no playing time at all. Um, I prefer the no part because, I mean, hey, listen, the Yankees have been known to sign guys who didn't really do much and they come here and they shine. So maybe he'd have the opportunity to do that if injury were to strike the Yankees on a severe level, particularly offensively, and they desperately need him, which I hope that obviously never happens. But they brought him here. 
Didn't really make sense when they got him. I'm not really sure about the pickup, but he's depth. And if he's not there to mess anything up and he's just there for when you need him, hopefully you don't need to use him in many big situations or even have to put him in the field very much because he is especially known for his awful, awful fielding. He is not good in the field. Whether it be playing the outfield, the infield, doesn't matter. He's been known to be a nightmare all over the place. So, they did sign Cordero, $1 million deal. And they also traded for, and you saw him in today's game, Colton Brewer, reliever Colton Brewer, right-handed pitcher. Traded him for cash considerations after the game on opening day. That was announced. So, it's time for us to say goodbye to cash considerations and welcome Colton Brewer in. And he has not had himself a very good early career either himself. But hey, when it comes to a pitcher, they could always enter the Matt Blake lab and uh, be changed up by Matt Blake because we also know that some pitchers who have not been good in the past have also had the tendency to improve vastly and find any sort of secret weapons that they may have in their arsenal and have it unlocked by our boy, our pitching coach, Matt Blake. So who the hell knows? He did pitch in this game, didn't allow any runs, looked okay. So it's a good start, but of course, he also did it with a nice, comfortable lead against the Giants today, so we'll have to see how that continues, or if that continues, but he is here at least while the injuries are going on, because of course, guys like Trevino, Canely, they are not available in the bullpen due to injuries, so while that's the case, Colton Brewer will be here, not sure how long he would be here once guys like Trevino and Canely do come back, I'm not sure what exactly they would do at said point, but... He was another acquisition this past week alongside the signing of Franchi Cordero while they traded for Colton Brewer. And then it was also announced, which this was... Kind of had to see this coming at this point. It's unfortunate because, of course, he was at the very top of the Yankee prospect list once upon a time. And he didn't really get real consistent opportunities in the major leagues, but he did get a decent amount of at-bats overall and did get some looks in the outfield. Showed some some promise in the outfield, but he was never really able to put it together fully at the plate when he was given chances, even though they're pretty inconsistent. But you knew something was going to have to give with him because he came into 2023 with no more minor league options left. We spoke about that right when spring training was starting up and why it was so important for him to make an impression of some kind in spring training, which he did not do. Whether it be in the field or at the plate especially, just did not really do that. And that's something they had to give, finally gave. And that was the Yankees DFAing Estevan Florial. So we'll we'll see what comes of him later on, what his future is, whether they end up bringing him back and outriding him right to AAA again, and I, I don't know, or he goes elsewhere. We'll see what happens. But nonetheless, as of now, Estevan Florial DFA'd since he didn't have any options left. He did not. So... It is sad because at one point, like I just said before, there was a lot of hype surrounding this kid. Saying he could have been a big power bat from the left side especially. Solid fielder with a good arm. And he did get his chances. And although inconsistent, he wasn't he wasn't really able to put it together ever. It's unfortunate. Ended up being a high strikeout guy. Did not make too much contact. And that's what they warned about. Even in his minor league days, they would say that he strikes out a lot. So that's a big risk, and whenever he did get his chances, we saw a lot of that, unfortunately. He did have his moments here and there, of course. you got to run into some every now and again. But he was just never able to fully put it together. And 
with him not having any options left and no room really for him and him not really having made an impression positively of any kind in spring training, it finally happened. He got DFA'd. So we shall see what comes of Estevan Florial. But for now, that's the deal. He is DFA'd. So that's really all the Yankee news from this past week, guys. The remainder of the roster moves that took place, the signing for Cordero and the trade for Colton Brewer, and Florial getting DFA'd. Those are the main things, of course, aside from the thrill and excitement from opening weekend, which why don't we get to that right now, the weekly recap. And again, we're bringing back the time machine, guys, going back to Thursday. Not going to really go over the spring training games because, of course, definitely as of now with the regular season having gotten underway, nobody could care less about spring training, right? Just on Monday, the Yankees won 8-4, to and then Tuesday, they lost 3 nothing against the Nationals. Who cares? Thursday, all the way until the end of the season's what matters now, Mike. So why don't we go back to Thursday? We'll talk about Thursday's game, yesterday's game that I was at, and today's game from this afternoon. Time Machine, let's go! Ah, yes, that's when you know the regular season is back. When you hear that time machine, it's time to recap all the regular season games that took place in the prior week leading up to the Sunday that I speak to you. And that is why we're going over opening weekend. Because those are the only games to go over. Regular season-wise, as of now, opening day on Thursday, I was able to watch the first part of the game, fortunately at home, before heading out to work. And this game, similarly to today's, very comfortable win. Honestly, there are certain games that you could look back on and say, you know what, they played... As perfect a game as you possibly could that day. Nice and comfortable win. They don't come around too often, but when they do, they're awfully nice. Those days where you could just say, you know what? Pitching was on the money. The offense was on the money. Defense was on the money. Everything just worked out. And that's what opening day was. Now, the Yankees used to have a habit, maybe like anywhere from like 10 to 15 years ago, of losing a ton of opening days. I remember it. I felt like losing opening day was almost like a ritual for them. But the last few years, they've changed that a bit. And this continued the positive trend, of course, of them actually getting wins on opening day, which is always welcome. Of course, at the end of the day, opening day is just the first of 162. So even though you can't argue, of course, it has just as much value as the other 162. Obviously, even if you are to lose it, listen, there's 161 left. So whatever. It's not that big a deal. But... You do like to just start off the season with a win. It's just a better overall feeling being 1-0 than 0-1. I don't really know what else to say. That's just the way it is. So, the Giants came to the Bronx to kick off the season in Yankee Stadium against our beloved Yankees. Now, we spoke about this forever. How awkward it would have been if Arson, I mean Aaron Judge, sorry, was in right field for the Giants as opposed to the Yankees in Yankee Stadium to start the season right after his destiny was decided in free agency this past off season. Fortunately, we don't have to worry about that reality because to be honest, if it were a reality the other way, if he was playing for the Giants, I'm not sure I'd be able to watch his at-bats or even able to see any time the camera pans over to him. I'm not sure. I'd have to look away. 
<laughs> I really think so. So I'm glad that's not a reality we have to face. And I'm glad a loss on opening day was not a reality we had to face either because this game was a lot of damn fun. It was nice, and it was just comfortable. It really was. And that's exactly how I like the season to start. It just gives off like a really settling feeling. It's like very comfortable. Just nice, a nice win. Garrett Cole, of course, starting off the season as the ace on opening day. And my God, <laughs> Garrett went six innings and not just six innings shut out. No, six innings shut out, only allowing three hits, two walks and 11 strikeouts. And he had about eight of those when he was amidst his third inning of work. He walked the leadoff hitter. And I believe all of us were just, you know, we were on the verge of saying, oh, God, here we go. Please don't. And then after that, he just proceeded to strike out literally every single person that came to the plate. <laughs> it was crazy. He he just went on a roll. And he didn't allow crap. Six shutout. 11 strikeouts. And those 11 strikeouts not is just the overall total impressive in itself. But it also broke a record for strikeouts in one day for any Yankee starting pitcher on opening day. So Garrett Cole now has the most strikeouts for any Yankee starter on opening day in history. How cool is that? That's freaking crazy. So an awesome start for Garrett. He obviously completely settled in right after walking that first batter. Just went on cruise control after that. And he just started using the rest of his stuff. He definitely started to settle in. He started to use change up, his slider, just everything else in his arsenal. And he just got more comfortable. And then he started going back with the fastball, which started off wild in that first at-bat. And he just settled in very nicely, casually even throwing 98-99 sometimes on a chillier day, on opening day on March 30th. And he was still just throwing flames. Doesn't make a difference. So Garrett looked fantastic, and so did everybody behind him. Wandy Peralta getting two outs, only allowing a hit, and striking out two. Both of his outs were strikeouts. Luizaga getting an out after him to finish the seventh, and then pitching the eighth and the ninth very comfortably with only one walk and three strikeouts. Two innings was Ron Maranaccio, and it's great seeing him back after all the injury time that he had. To end last season, he was definitely sorely missed in that bullpen from the end of the year into the playoffs, and it's so great to have him back, seeing his impact in that bullpen. It's awesome to see him coming in. That changeup is as filthy as it ever was. The fastball's still looking pretty crisp. It's just awesome to have him back. Guys like him and King, it's good to have back. Despite yesterday with Michael King. I know. I know. But anyways, Marinaccio came in, did a fantastic job to end the game. And the Yankees did score five runs on the afternoon. And who else better to get the scoring started for the year in his first at-bat as the Yankee captain coming off of his 62-home run MVP season in 2022. Aaron Judge comes to the plate and just schlacks one to dead center field for a solo atom bomb to put the Yankees on the board right away in the bottom of the first. <laughs> what better way to start the season offensively? Honestly, it's really the only way you could, you know, just draw it up. If you, if you could write a script, that's how you do it. So Judge right away puts them on the board. And then some innings go by, a little bit of quietness on the offense, but then Glaber Torres comes up in the bottom of the fourth and hits a home run himself the other way. Two-run shot makes it 3-0 Yankees. Anytime Glaber goes the other way, I always say it. It is a great sign. I'm looking forward to seeing what he does. 
I'm not going to be a hypocrite. I did say all winter long, and even throughout spring training, that I wouldn't really mind if they traded him. It depended on who it was for and if it was worth it, obviously. But I wouldn't be upset if they traded him, but I would not be upset if they kept him either because I'd probably say I'd lean more towards I wouldn't be upset if they kept him because he did have a good year last year. Other than like the end of July and throughout August, Glaber had a pretty solid season. Solid defensively, and he was solid with the bat. And he was one of the top offensive producers. So, definitely not upset he's still here, and I want him I want him to succeed. I want everyone on this team to succeed. It's just a matter of whether I truly believe they can or not in certain cases. But I think Glaber's one of the ones that could succeed very well. And now that they did not get rid of him, I want only the best for him. I want him out there consistently, and I want him hitting home runs like this and spraying the ball to all fields like he does when he's on the right path. That's when you know that Glaber's in a good way, when he's hitting to all fields. So this was an encouraging sign to see. Beautiful two-handed swing, just stroking it out to right center field and putting the Yankees up 3 to nothing. Later on, DJ would get an RBI single to make it 4 to nothing in the bottom of the 7th with Aaron Judge following him up with an RBI single of his own to make it 5 nothing, and that would be the final after Marinaccio wrapped it up. Yankees win on opening day over the Giants by a score of 5 to nothing. So a very nice job on opening day. Saturday, this was the one that I went to. Obviously, they were off on Friday. They have the habit of doing that for a few years now where opening day is played, and then the very next day they get the day off. Probably just as a risk in case opening day can't be played, and it's just go to the next day. And then they play Saturday and Sunday. So it still amounts to three games. It doesn't That's not the case for every team. Like for the Mets and Marlins, for example, they played four games this weekend, Thursday through Sunday. But for the Yankees, they had Friday off. Saturday, they came back. I was so excited to go to the stadium. Obviously had a great time. This game was wild, though. The only thing that I was upset about was that, obviously, the main reason that I purchased tickets to this game in particular for my Yankee Stadium return was mainly because I wanted to see Carlos Rodon's Yankee debut. I really wanted to see him on that mound. Obviously, he's hurt, so I did not get my wish. I will try my best to choose a game where Rodon happens to be on the mound. I'll do my best because I do want to see him pitch for the Yankees in person. But, nonetheless, this game was still freaking nuts. Clark Schmidt started it. I'll get to him in a second. But it was a lot of back-and-forth action, especially from the midway point of the game and on all the way to the end. But to kick off the game in the bottom of the first, this was a good way for it to start. The Yankees seemed like they were getting ready to blow a scoring opportunity. But it turns out they did not do that because Giancarlo Stanton, he had a really hard ground ball towards the middle. It looked like it was going to be the end of the inning, probably a double play ball. But instead, Alex Cobb, who started for the Giants, got the ball. Turned around trying to get the force at second and threw it right into center field. So, coming home on that error was Judge. Made it one to nothing. Awesome to see. Rizzo went to third. But obviously, they did not add any more runs in that bottom of the first, unfortunately. And mistakes like this would happen more than that just that one time. Not getting more runs in than they should have. And that would end up coming back to bite them a bit. Of course, obviously, with the pitching not doing their job as well. But... The earlier part of the game did have Stanton contributions because that wasn't it. I mean, it was partially thanks to, well, mostly thanks to the error from Alex Cobb the first time around. But then the bottom of the third, he actually did something for himself. He hit his first home run of the year, a screaming line drive right into the right field seats. Solo shot his first of the year, made it 2 to nothing Yankees, and believe me, 
when you're there in person, you think Stanton's home runs are impressive on TV? <laughs> you don't know until you've seen one in person. I've probably seen almost 10 Stanton home runs in person now, and 99% of them are really remarkable. I mean, this one was just a missile the other way. And it's just amazing seeing how the thing carries. It's it's, it's like a straight line. <laughs> it's crazy. It really is crazy. So he put the Yankees up 2-0. That was a solo shot. And then come the top of the fourth. Now, this was when Clark Schmidt let things get out of hand. Gave up a solo shot to Jock Peterson and then just an absolute tank job to Brandon Crawford into the right field bleachers. Now, here's the deal with Clark Schmidt. Yeah, he went scoreless the first three innings. That's good. I'm not going to fault him for that, obviously. It's a good thing. His location was off, though. And I definitely saw that even more so when I watched the highlights when I came home because it's tougher to tell when you're actually at the stadium. You can't always see, especially from most angles, where exactly the pitchers are being thrown. So, his location was off. Command wasn't very good at times. Definitely threw too many pitches earlier on in the game. Came back to bite him. And it made his frequent problem reappear that he's had often when the Yankees have given him starting opportunities. He just can't go deep into the game. When he makes it a time and a half or maybe two times through the order, he automatically starts to mess up. He loses control. He seems to get fatigued. I don't know what happens. Maybe a little bit of all that. But he just doesn't have it. And this just continues to support the argument that I've had for a while now. And yes, the fourth inning was his only inning that he messed up, but things got out of hand. I th- I personally think that he should have gotten taken out right after he gave up the double after Peterson's home run. I think he should have been done after that. But they might have said, hey, you know what? This solo shot. Let's let him keep going. All right, just gave up a double, whatever. But you cannot hang a meatball the way he did to Brandon Crawford, who's a veteran hitter. And yeah, his his better hitting days are probably behind him. Had an awful year last year. But you still can't hope to get away with that every single time. You just can't do that. He's going to make you pay. So that's just supported my argument. And they're probably going to give him a chance. I mean, you kind of have to right now with these injuries. You don't really have another choice. But when you do have a choice, when certain guys make their way back, I would strongly consider... Just going forward with Clark, either having him in the bullpen for long relief, because he can eat up two, maybe three solid innings in long relief in the middle innings, or maybe in extras if you have to call on him. He's had some really clutch extra inning appearances, too, out of the bullpen. But I would really keep him at that capacity, or honestly, you might just have to option him to AAA, if, you know, depending on the options he has, which he can right now. But I just don't think that he has proven himself, at least not yet, to be major league starter material. I'm I'm kind of checked out on that front. And and again, right now, while they have no other choice, then, you know, stick with it. Hopefully the next time out he does better. But when you have the choice, my point is, when you have the choice and you have other options, I'm kind of checked out with the Clark Schmidt starting thing. He's been given his fair share of opportunities, and I, I more so than... Almost anybody, especially when he's up against someone like Herman, have really hoped that he would embrace that starting pitching destiny that the Yankee scouts and the Yankee organization have been preaching for years now, saying how Clark Schmidt could really be a huge piece in the Yankee rotation in the years to come. He just hasn't really shown that yet, and I'm, I'm basically out of patience with it or running out of it really fast. It's just the same thing really every time. Like, yeah, he still got through the first three innings shutout, but his command wasn't really there. The umpires also helped out or hurt, depending on 
you know, the situation. Because, again, the umpiring this weekend was... <laughs> There's not even a word for it. So, but I don't know. I, I've just... It really makes me uneasy. And even if he is to make it to, like, the fifth inning like he has at times, it just feels... It's it's it just feels uneasy. It's an uneasy feeling. Or you could get like a five inning shutout appearance from him when he strikes out seven guys and he's and it's really just comfortable. It's too inconsistent too. That's the problem. I don't know. I just I'm not with it. I'm just not. So while you have to right now, then stick with it because you don't really have another choice while the injuries are going on and Rodon and Severino haven't worked their way back yet. But when you do have the choice. I really think that that's the capacity that he should be used in. Middle relief in the bullpen, even though guys like Ron Marinaccio and Michael King being back now, they're really the main middle relief guys, if anything. But, I don't know. I'm, I'm just not feeling it with Clark in the starting role in the major leagues anymore. So, But the Yankees fell back 3-2 to two after that. Fortunately, they did tie it up after on an RBI double by Anthony Rizzo made it 3-3. Three to three. They definitely should have gotten more that inning, but they didn't. So not capitalizing hurt them after that as well. And the Giants made them pay. It seemed like every time the Yankees did score, but then didn't capitalize even more so the way that they should have, the Giants immediately made them pay offensively, and the Yankee pitching just effed up. That really seemed to be the theme of yesterday's game. And Wade Jr. got an RBI single, made them pay for it right away, 4-3. to three. And then 5-3 to three on a Thyro Estrada RBI single. And to Michael King's defense in this inning, I mean, I was kind of surprised they bought him in that early. They bought him in in the fifth after Peralta had pitched a scoreless inning for himself, who, other than Abreu, you know, was the only one to really have this stuff yesterday, which I know, shocker. Who would have thought that Abreu probably would have been the best pitcher in yesterday's game, right? <laughs> but that was the truth. Wacky game. But Peralta came in, pitched a scoreless inning, and then King came in. Again, pretty early. It surprised me. But... Did come in, did okay at first, but then his stuff started to seem a bit off, and he was really the victim of some soft contact in that top of the sixth inning with Wade Jr. and also uh, Thyro Estrada, who hit a soft line drive towards Anthony Volpe, who just seemed to lose his footing at shortstop, couldn't regain control of the ball, tried to flip to second to get any out that he could, but it was no good. Another run scored on that, so it was 5-3, to three off Michael King before you knew it. So it was unfortunate that his first appearance of the season had to go that way, and his ERA did get driven up as a result. But that wasn't fun to watch, so it was 5-3. to three. Then in the bottom of the eighth, the Yankees inched a little bit closer with Josh Donaldson's first home run of the year. So opening weekend, Josh Donaldson does already have a home run, and we'll see how it goes. I'm still, you know, he's here, so you might as well root for the guy, right? That's how fandom works. You can dislike him as a person and just not really believe that he has what it takes to turn it around, but while he's here, when he's at the plate, <sighs> guess you got to root for him. So that's uh, that's what I'm trying to do, just trying to give him the benefit of the doubt while he's here because there's nothing really else I could do. Still not believing in him much, but he didn't have an awful weekend. He did get on base via walk a few times. He got hosed on a couple of umpire calls, which a lot of guys did. But um, but he did also get a hit on opening day, and he got this home run, so whatever. His first three games, we'll see how it continues on. I personally am still not rushing to say that I think he has what it takes to bounce back this season. While I do appreciate the obvious effort in turning things around, because we did speak about it last week, I did appreciate the obvious changes he made in his batting stance and his approach at the plate, which have definitely helped with his timing and his results a little bit at least to start, so... 
I definitely appreciate the effort rather than being someone like Aaron Hicks who just doesn't earn his place and then complains about not playing like he did today. So that much I can appreciate about Josh. We'll see what happens with him. But he did hit this home run here. It was good to see right down the left field line. Solo shot made it 5-4. to four. Unfortunately, at the top of the ninth, things started to get out of hand again when Clay Holmes came into the game. Not a good start for him. Was looking like he did for a chunk of the second half of last year, which is obviously a time period when Clay Holmes is concerned that Yankee fans would like to forget. But I think we got some PTSD flashbacks to all that, unfortunately. At least I did. I don't know about you. But Mike Yastrzemski got an RBI double off him, and then Brandon Crawford, RBI single Crawford, and himself a hell of a game yesterday. So, going into the bottom of the ninth, as I described earlier, the Yankees were down 7-4. was obviously still at the stadium despite the rain, despite the three-run deficit. None of that gets to me. And like I said before, the rain kind of added to the epicness of the environment, so I was with it. I didn't even have a coat, didn't have a hood. My girlfriend Victoria and I didn't put on our ponchos. We didn't. We just sat there and dealt with the rain, recorded on our phones, got a lot of water on our screens, didn't care. Don't care. Must tell you, we do not care. So, lots of fun. Judge did get the Yankees an extra run on an RBI single, made it 7-5. to five. Rizzo walked after that, so the bases were loaded with one out with Stanton at the plate. The Giants' closer got a pitching violation because he, he took too long with the timer, so it was 1-0. Stanton took a pitch, made it 2-0. And then, unfortunately, hit a ground ball to short, to second for one, to first for the game-ending double play. And the Yankees did try to go to replay before the game ended, as I mentioned earlier in the show, to try to see if any feet came off of any base at second or first. See if they could have a case for themselves and keep the game going. Keep the walk-off hope alive. But the umpires called it right the hell off. And uh, I thought it was possible that a foot could have been off the base at second. But they said not. Whatever. Real bummer. Because I think that place would have combusted into flames if the Yankees walked it off. Because that was just... The stadium was loud yesterday. I loved it. The energy was great yesterday. I had a great time. So, unfortunate they couldn't pull out the win... Because if they did, it would have been an epic walk-off. Especially considering it was my first game in four years. It would have been awesome to see. But you know what? The action was still exciting nonetheless. And uh, I had a lot of fun with the people that I got to see. You know who you are out there. And, um, and just enjoying the game. Enjoying the action. Seeing the boys again in person for the first time in nearly a half a decade. A great time. I'll be back in less than two weeks on April 15th to see them take on the Twins. I cannot wait. Like I said, I'm going to be treating myself to a lot of Yankee games this year, guys. It's happening. So if you wanted to see me and did not get to see me, then don't fret. You will have your chances, and I will be sure to post every single time on social media what day I'm going and when to expect me, where to find me, and the whole deal, like I did with this game and like I'm doing with the game on the 15th that I already booked tickets for and so on and so forth. But Saturday was awesome. The only way it could have been better is if the Yankees won, obviously. But can't win them all. Today, though, they did get back in the win column. And very similarly, comfort-wise, to opening day, like I said. And it did get kick-started with watching Johnny Brito make his major league debut. At the age of 25, he's the number 27 prospect, I believe, for the Yankees, or was at least. 
And he's finally getting a shot after opening some eyes in spring training, particularly, like I said, in that start against the Blue Jays when he went more than five perfect innings. And the Yankees were searching for a fifth starter candidate with Rodon, Severino, and Montas being out. So they were saying with Rodon and Severino being out, having Schmidt and Herman basically automatically have shots in the rotation when they at first were just fighting for the fifth spot, now they need an, even another candidate to help out in the rotation in the meantime. And they gave Brito a shot with the start against the Blue Jays. looked great. And it was a great audition. And the Yankees ended up giving him a shot for a major league start, his major league debut today against the Giants. And it paid off, man. Five innings of scoreless ball from Johnny Brito. He looked fantastic. I love how this kid's stuff moves. His fastball, his changeup is sick. His breaking stuff is solid. He's just really good. I'm very impressed with him. He only allowed two hits, one walk, struck out six in five scoreless frames. Big fan of his. He got the W, his first Major League win. Congrats to him. He deserved it. Had a hell of a start. And even after him, the bullpen, thankfully, they did not choke like yesterday because yesterday was a bit of a mess with Michael King's inning, although, again, that was filled with a lot of soft contact. Clay Holmes' inning. Just pitching overall yesterday was not fun to watch, but... It was better today. Cordero came in. He did have a brief appearance yesterday, just coming in to get one out at the end. But he reappeared in today's game, and uh, he got into a little bit of trouble at first. So I was like, oh boy. But then he was able to get out of it, thankfully. So ultimately, he pitched two-thirds of an inning, only allowing a hit and striking out two. Obviously, a very hard thrower. If he can just keep that accurate, he could be a very big weapon out of the bullpen, I got to tell you. So... Hopefully, we'll see. Marinaccio reappeared after that, still looks phenomenal. An inning and a third scoreless, striking out three, so three of his four outs were Ks. And Colton Brewer, Yankees' new trade acquisition from just a few days ago, pitched two scoreless innings, only allowing a walk, and he did strike out one. And that was the Yankee pitching for today, a hell of a lot better than yesterday, so good bounce back from that point of view. And as far as scoring, bottom of the third, Aaron Judge again. (laughs) Solo shot to left field, a laser right into the left field seats, made it one to nothing. And then a few batters later, after Anthony Rizzo got on, John Carlos Stanton. <laughs> he already hit his first home run of the year yesterday. And today. I think he took out all of his frustration on the fact that he didn't come through in the ninth inning of yesterday's game. Because this ball, I actually just got word a few minutes ago that it is indeed officially out of our Milky Way galaxy, guys. Because this ball, (laughs) the second contact was made. I did say right off the bat, even with Judge's ball that didn't go nearly as far today, that it was gone. But this ball, this was one of the hits that the second the crack of the bat is heard and you see the way it's hit, you say, oh my God, where's this going to land? If it does land. (laughs) This was one of those. 485 feet to dead center over the restaurant. Do you understand? (laughs) This was insane. I've almost never seen a ball hit like this. The only time I did was when I was fortunate enough to be at Yankee Stadium to witness in person Judge's 495-foot home run that landed right by the retired numbers in left center field past the bleachers. Back in 2017, I was there for that. I've said that many times. So, other than that, whether it be in person or on television, 
other than that judge home run, this was probably the most crushed ball I've ever seen by a Yankee, and almost ever. This ball was murdered. What a shot by Stanton. My God. It's still just a wonder to me how strong he is just in his upper body alone. Do you see when he swings how he has like minimal or even no hip rotation? Obviously, naturally, he has to have even a little bit to be able to twist around to perform his swing, but compared to like 90% of other major league players who use full rotation and draw on the power from their hips, which is typically where power comes from, when you're talking about doing a motion such as this, swinging a bat, the guy's upper body strength is ridiculous. It's incomprehensible. <laughs> it really is. And the more home runs he hits like this, it just makes it more unbelievable. It really is amazing what the Yankee lineup could be like if and whenever Judge and Stanton are on the money together. We saw that for a chunk of 2021 in particularly when they majorly each carried the offense in unbelievable fashion. And right away to start, each having two home runs here and obviously getting off to a bit of hot starts. I mean, to say Judge is getting off to a bit of a hot start is kind of the understatement of the millennium. But if this if this is another preview of another season that we're going to be seeing if Stanton and Judge, especially Stanton, both stay healthy and they both perform, the top of the Yankee lineup shouldn't even be allowed. <laughs> it should be just illegal, unfair for the rest of the league to have to deal with. It's crazy. When this Yankee lineup really just showcases its true full potential, it really shows you how scary the Yankees could be and how they are a lot of the time. You know, it's just in the playoffs they tend to, tend to die out a bit, particularly in 2022. But my point is, when the lineup really shows its full and unlimited potential, when everyone's healthy, especially Judge and Stanton together, and they are just hitting on all cylinders, pun intended, it's scary. <laughs> it's scary to have to even think about being or having anything to do with the opposition. <laughs> so... This was an incredible home run to see. So, just with for reasons like this, and even just how he is as a person, you just can't not like Stan. I know a lot of people out there love booing him. They, for some twisted reason, get off on booing him. But I don't know how you hate the guy, because even when he doesn't come through, or when he's on a cold streak, or he just he has a moment like he did yesterday, where he doesn't come through in a crucial situation like he didn't in the bottom of the ninth, despite having a better game earlier on, yes. But... He always holds himself accountable. He's always so hard on himself, always saying when when he doesn't come through, how he's got to do better at this, got to work on elevating the ball better in that situation, got to get into the air. That happening was unacceptable. And a lot of you might be saying, well, what's the big deal? He's just saying the obvious. Who cares? Really sit and think about for a second how uncommon it is nowadays in general amongst people, let alone in sports. How rare it is to have a player like Stanton who is that unfiltered about himself and doesn't sugarcoat anything. I've said this a lot, but I can't say it enough. So many people's statements, just about anything in life in general, it's often sugarcoated. You don't see the real hard truth being told a lot of the time. Not a lot. Sometimes you do, of course. It has to be told, but not a lot. But Stanton is awfully honest about himself, and... 
really holds himself accountable when he doesn't do his job. And I appreciate that because that's not easy to find nowadays. A lot of you might not give a crap about that and fine. You know, you say the guy's making money, he should come through no matter what. And if he doesn't, I can't stand him no matter what. Who cares? If that's the way you want to live, then fine. But that's not the way I live. I appreciate people who hold themselves accountable because I am one of those people. Whenever I mess up, I hold myself accountable. So I appreciate it when I find that trait in another person and I admire it. Stanton's one of those people. And I wish the people who were as hard on him as they are, when he doesn't come through, would praise him as much as they should when he does come through. Because on days like today... And so many other days when he shows it, when he shows his true potential, it really is unbelievable what he can accomplish. It is ugly when he's cold. We all know that ugly one-handed, stepping away from the plate swing that he has and a low and away slider that he has when he is ice cold with the bat. It is not pleasant to watch. Just like it's not pleasant to watch anybody else be on a really cold streak when they're ice cold. But when he's hot, he's truly one of the better players on the planet. <laughs> And when he hits a home run the way that he does today, and I know a lot of people might be like, oh, it's just one home run, who the hell cares? But when he does hit a home run the way he does today, that should serve as a solid reminder of that fact. That Stanton really is an unbelievable player with unbelievable and incomprehensible potential. And you ought to support the guy. I know he's gotten hurt a lot in the past, and I know when he goes in his cold streaks, it is prolonged, it is ugly, I know. That's the case with a lot of guys, though. Baseball's a game of failure. I hate to break it to you. But... When he's on, it's worth it. It's all worth it. It really is, and it's really a spectacular sight that you get to see along with it. So anyways, that two-run mammoth shot put the Yankees up 3 to nothing. Then in the bottom of the fourth, Kyle Higashioka, who's in for Trevino today. Trevino getting a day off. He settled in nicely under a high fastball, and he just slammed it out to left field. Solo shot, so even in the third game of the year, Higashioka... Has his first home run of the year. Made it 4 to nothing, And then Anthony Rizzo later on in the game on a sack fly. He's had himself a decent weekend. Made it 5 to nothing, And then on a wild pitch, Glaber came home to score. Later on in the inning, that made it 6 to nothing. So, that was the final score. Yankee pitching threw another shutout as they did on opening day. So, for opening weekend, two shutouts for Yankee pitching. Not too shabby. With a bit of ugliness on Saturday, but it happens. And the Yankees do finish opening weekend being 2-1, and one, welcoming in the Phillies for the next series in Yankee Stadium, which reminds me, we should talk about what is ahead for the week to come for the Yankees. And it starts tomorrow night right away on Monday. Still here in the Bronx at Yankee Stadium with a game against the Phillies, starting off a three-game set going from tomorrow to Wednesday. Tomorrow night's game is at 7.05 Eastern. It will be Nestor Cortez making his first start of 2023 on time. Good to see. Against Taiwan Walker, who obviously is with his first season with the Phillies. Tuesday, 7.05 Eastern. It will be Herman taking the mound for the Yankees that night. And then Wednesday at 1.05, I'll have to either watch the beginning of this at home or just watch most of it at work. I don't know, but you know I'm not the biggest fan of weekday day games. But anyway, 105 Eastern, Phillies and Yankees wrapping up their three-game set, and Garrett Cole will return to the mound for his second start of 2023 after his killer first start, and he'll be facing off against Aaron Nola. And that's a three-game set against the Phillies. Thursday, 
starts a weekend three-game series against the Orioles. Now, you might be confused. How the hell is it a three-game series over the weekend if it's starting on Thursday? Well, it's really weird because they are basically replicating the opening weekend schedule, which is odd. They don't usually do that for the next week after opening weekend. But anyways, really weird. So Thursday's game is going to be at 3.05 Eastern, April 6th, against the Orioles in Baltimore. And I imagine, unless anything is anything changes for whatever reason, Clark Schmidt will take them out for that game again. And then on Friday, they have the day off. So again, exactly like opening weekend schedule. Really weird. So Friday they have the day off, and then the weekend will resume on Saturday with a 7.05 Eastern game again in Baltimore. And then Sunday, next Sunday for Easter Sunday, April 9th, It'll wrap up the series in Baltimore with a 1.35 p.m. Eastern game, just like today's. And that'll be the three-game set in Baltimore before they head off to Cleveland after that to face the Guardians. So, got the Phillies, and we got the Orioles this week. And the Orioles actually had a pretty decent series in Boston to kick off opening weekend. And yeah, they lost two out of three, but they gave Boston a really good fight. Can't help that they're pitching a lot of crap ton of runs in yesterday's game after they just pounced on Chris Sale, who returned and just crapped the bed. And then they ended up losing today's game as well to the Red Sox. I believe it was 9-5. to Yeah, 9-5. to So, definitely shouldn't have lost Saturday's game in all fairness, but they did. So, seems like their offense is putting up a pretty good fight, at least to start the season. So, it'll be interesting to see how that series goes in Camden Yards. And the Phillies... They're coming off a really rough starting opening weekend against the Rangers. So they're 0-3 coming into this series against the Yankees in Yankee Stadium after having a rough series in Texas. And they're now playing another interleague series against the Yankees, who are 2-1 and again after opening weekend. But again, opening weekend gets basically an A from me. The only thing keeping it from an A-plus was the Yankees being 3-0. and and I guess also that guy snatching Rizzo's throw to me when I was at the game yesterday. <laughs> so, But other than that, genuinely an awesome opening weekend. It feels surreal to have baseball back. And for some reason, even though I had a lot of my shows and movies serve as a great distraction this past offseason while baseball was gone, because I need something, otherwise I'll lose my mind. That's literally how much I love baseball. But even though I did have them to help me along with that, this offseason was weird. It just happened to feel like... It felt like baseball was gone for longer than it normally even is. I don't know. Obviously, it wasn't. It's gone for give or take the same amount of days as it is every year after the World Series ends until pitchers and catchers report, give or take. Just a difference in, you know, a certain amount of days. But I don't know. It just felt like it was even longer this year. So just having baseball back, seeing the Yankees in Yankee Stadium again, Yankees playing games that count, knowing that there's going to be baseball again tomorrow night and nearly every night to come in case I happen to have a bad day and then I know I have the Yankees later that day. It just feels surreal that I'm back in that routine again. The sun's out later. The weather's getting warmer. It was beautiful at the game yesterday during that time window that the game was being played. Just all these things. It feels surreal that we're back in this time of the year. And it just it just supports what I always say, that this time is genuinely like top two best times of the year for me personally. The only other better time is is probably, I mean, especially if the Yankees were to be in it, the World Series, when baseball's at its peak, or even just the middle of the summer, 
just when the weather is at its peak, it's just at my most preferred type, just as hot as it could possibly be, with baseball just being in full swing. It's anytime that baseball's around, it's a good time of year for me, okay? I guess that's the moral of what I'm trying to say. <laughs> but I'm just so happy it's back. It just it does something entirely different for my mentality than almost anything else does. Like it probably sounds silly to a lot of people, but especially those who share their love for baseball as much as I do, you probably understand what I mean when I say that it genuinely just does something so positive for me mentally whenever I know it's back. It just does it for me almost unlike anything else in the world. So, now that it's back, I'm just I'm as happy as a pig in crap. I really am. So, I look forward to another week of Yankee baseball. Full week of baseball that counts. The first full week of 2023 regular season Yankee baseball. I'm just as amped as ever, guys. I just, I'm so happy to have it back. But one more thing before we end the weekly recap segment that I do not want to forget to get to really quick. Having to do with today's game. And I did mention that I would get to this before. And I don't like hinting to things that I plan on talking about in a show and then I never get to it. I don't like doing that to you. So don't want to forget this, but I did promise that I would at least briefly touch on today's lineup and IKF being in there in center field. Obviously, today's lineup wasn't as pretty looking as the prior two. I've tried to get into the habit, even going back to the end of last year, of not really complaining about the lineup just as long as I get the win, then I'm happy. I'm a simple person, which in the end of the day is true. But obviously when I see certain things in the lineup like IKF being in there, especially in center field when he's never played an actual major league game in there before, even though he did get some looks both there and in left in spring training, seeing that and, you know, like Higashioka being in the lineup instead of Trevino, and obviously both of these things seem to work out just fine. But that's why also I've just tried to get into... Just a place where I just try not to complain too much about the lineup, and I'm just like, you know what? As long as they win. Because <laughs> that's what's important. Just get the win. Win's a win. Just get it. I'm happy. So, I do have to give credit where credit's due. Even though it's just one game, I know. But, I'm fair to all of those, even if I do not believe in the possibility of them bouncing back in any sort of a way, especially in Donaldson's case. But, I give credit where credit's due. I am not unfair. I'm not over-the-top cruel. It's just that if you're on my team, I'm going to say what's actually going on. And I'm not going to... I hold people accountable if they don't do well. And I praise them when they do well. I just tell it like it is, you might say. Wow. It's like a lost concept. I don't like people who make it seem like you can't criticize even when you have a right to. And when it's valid... And I don't like people who do nothing but criticize when there are plenty of positives to look at. I try to lean in the middle and just take every situation for what it is individually. That's what I think we should all strive to do in all facets of life. And I think that would lead to a lot more mature and level-headed and helpful conversation. Not just in baseball or in sports, but just in life. But... Regardless of my criticism of IKF in the past, as a player, I have to say as a player specifically, because I don't have a problem with him as a person, he looked good in center today. He looked comfortable. And you know what? This could all be, and we've said it already, this could be to just entice teams to being more interested in possibly trading for him so the Yankees could let him off. But 
as of now, while they have him as an option, he's out there in center, and, and at least as of today, and he looked really good. He went 0-4 at the plate, and he had a nice play made against him down at first base by J.D. Davis to take a hit away from him in his first at-bat, but other than that, he did go 0-4, but in the field, he looked good. He looked pretty solid, got some good jumps on some hits, and looked good. Got to give credit where credit is due. But I do also think that is very telling as far as the Yankees' mentality towards Aaron Hicks. And if you heard what I said before about Aaron Hicks, about his complaining about not getting any playing time, Brandon Cuddy put out a report on Twitter earlier about Aaron Hicks and his statements about not getting much playing time. And you know what? I don't really have much use for it. I gave my input on on Twitter if you want to check my Twitter page and see my tweets and replies. You should see it under there at some point. Or if you just want to hear me say it on here, I don't really care one way or the other to spend much more time on Aaron Hicks because... Of the three, Donaldson, IKF, and Hicks, I think we all know that my least favorite of the three, even though he's still Yankee and, you know, when he's in there, I might as well root for him because his success is the Yankee success. I do agree with that as well. But I think it goes without saying that my least favorite of the three is Aaron Hicks because I don't like his mentality. I don't like how he shoots his mouth off at times, which has proven him to not be a team player. And I don't like that he does that without anything to back it up. I don't like it. That's also why I've tended to not like Donaldson very much, because Donaldson, we know he's tended to have a big mouth, but when it came to last year, by far his worst offensive season, he didn't have a lot to back it up, and when he did use his big mouth amidst not backing it up, it was very irritating to watch. But obviously because of the money he makes, and of course because the very season before that in 2021 and back, his numbers were still respectable. Hicks is another story, because he has about a half a decade's worth of evidence that shows that he doesn't bring much to the table anymore. And whenever given a chance, he just has continued to cough it up, especially last year in particularly. But in 2020 and 2021, between being hurt or just not doing much, And now he's complaining that he isn't out there enough. And he wants to play. And obviously everyone wants to play. But let's not act like he has not been given his chances. And when he is given his chances, he doesn't really get it done. And I know a lot of people want to see him get his chance because of the shift not being around anymore and whatnot. And maybe some hits that weren't hits before will now be hits because the shift isn't there. But regardless, if you're the Yankees, you cannot be asking yourself whether you're Hicks or not why you're not being played because of what's taken place the last half decade and that's the difference in my opinion between someone like Hicks and IKF I've been hard on IKF in the past as a player even though while acknowledging you know what he is as a player is what he is it's more the Yankees fault for forcing him into shortstop last year and forcing him into things that clearly it's just it's just not for him But the one thing that I like about IKF is that any time he's asked about playing here, asked about playing there, doing whatever it takes to play and help the team, he's willing to do it. He's not a complainer. He will not step on anyone else's foot like Hicks does in his statements, even though he hasn't earned anything. And IKF is just like, yeah, if that's what they want me to do, I will go out there and do it, whatever it takes to be a part of the team and help the team. That's a team player, and that's why I've always respected IKF as a person. And since he looks extra comfortable out in center field, at least as of today, in his first major league game out there, then more power to him. 
He might get more looks out there or in left on a given day. Who knows? We know how much the Yankees like to shift around the lineup and shift around people and even in their positions in the field within the lineup and and also just how they like to shift around the roster. We know how they like to do that. So, moral of the story, props to IKF for looking extra comfortable out there in center field today and just being willing to do whatever it takes to be a part of the team and help the team any way you can. Even though I don't, I personally have been vocal saying as a player, I don't think he brings much to the table and not much has happened to prove that wrong. But I will always respect him as a person for wanting to do all he can for the team to be a part of it and to help them win. Because that's what you call a team player and that's a good guy to have around. Even if he is most of the time just on the bench. But I respect that in a guy. I do. And I think people like Hicks could learn a thing or two from that. So that's just my input. I do really like seeing anybody succeed on the Yankees. If you're here, I want you to succeed. And if you're not, then well, I'm going to call you out for it. But that, that's what fans should do. That is, While rooting for the players and praising them when they do well, and just rooting for them in general, you're also allowed to validly critique them and acknowledge when they're not doing well. But if he's going to go out there in center field and do a good job, then I'm going to give him props for it. And I'm going to give him even more props for his mentality that he has each and every day with this team because it's a good mentality. And people who don't have it, like Aaron Hicks, should learn a thing or two from it. Especially when he's out here claiming that he deserves playing time and wants to play, all the while trotting over to balls casually in the outfield, for example. Just my input. But got to give props to IKF where it's due. So that is your weekly recap. We're caught up. Until Monday comes around tomorrow, and then we'll have more games to watch, to talk about, to recap, the whole deal. Ugh, just doesn't feel real. <laughs> oh, I just rhymed accidentally. That's cool. So, why don't we wrap up the show with our social media segment. It is an open-ended question like it has been so often for the past few weeks, but I've had a good mix. I think I had a poll in the last two weeks, I had a Q&A, have questions most of the time, so I've been trying to mix it up even more so lately. But it's back to the open-ended question for this week. And I figured with opening weekend being here, the return of the regular season, my return to Yankee Stadium yesterday for the first time in nearly a half a decade, and just the overall excitement of baseball being back, the Yankees being in Yankee Stadium to kick off the season, I figured I'd have more of a light-hearted, fun, walk-down-memory-lane social media question, if you will. Having to do with Yankee Stadium mainly because just my overall hype of being back myself, opening weekend being here, the regular season being back, the Yankees being in Yankee Stadium, just made me want to walk down memory lane a little bit and had me wanting you guys to do the same. And it seemed like a lot of people had fun with this one because I got even more replies than I usually do. So it's, it's awesome to see how much people love to recall their great Yankee memories. It's always fun to call upon people's great Yankee memories. So... Oh, wait, there's actually some roster news. <laughs> this came in. I was just talking about before how much the Yankees love to shift around the lineup and people in their positions and the roster and whatnot. There's just a report that just came out that said Brito is being sent back down to AAA. A lot of people are flipping out about it, but I think I think he'll be back before long. Because, yeah, even people are mentioning here they have off days coming up and the Yankees might not even need a fifth starter for a little while now. So he'll probably be back. And, you know, who knows by then... Rodon and Severino could be close to coming back or maybe even back in one case or both cases. So we'll see what happens. I wouldn't make too much of this, and I do think that nonetheless we will see him back. Hopefully we will because he certainly made an impression today. So wouldn't make too much of that, but that is news that just came out. 
that at least at the time I'm taping, is that Brito has been sent back down to Triple A. We'll see what happens going forward with him, but it should be okay. Anyways, it is getting late early out here, so let's get to the social media segment. As I said before about the general subject of it, the question is, what are some of the coolest Yankees moments you've been lucky enough to see in person at Yankee Stadium? Well, upon thinking about this question myself, I recalled some of my own better memories that came to mind right away. And uh, some of them, well, I guess we should start most recently and say that I got to see Volpe's first Major League hit or hits yesterday. Uh, I got to see the awesome win in 2017 ALCS Game 5 when the Yankees went into that game tied at 2 in the series with the Astros. That game was epic. Easily one of the crazier games I've ever been to. I just spoke about it before, but I was there for Judge's 495-foot historic home run back in 2017. I saw A-Rod's 3,000th hit, the home run. Um... Oh, I don't know if this counts. This actually just came to me. But I also got to see Matsui hit a home run at the Old Timers Day in, I think it was like 2016. But whichever year it was that he hit a home run in that Old Timers Day, I was there for that. And Matsui being one of my many baseball heroes for the year of 2009 in particularly, that was just epic to be able to witness in person at the Old Timers game. Uh, yeah, but I think it was 2016. Just the years start to mesh together eventually, but I freaking loved that. And actually, this last one I can think of as for now, my girlfriend Victoria actually reminded me of it earlier today, so I'll include it. Uh, we got to see Mariano's plaque on the day that the Yankees honored him for being inducted into the Hall of Fame on Mariano Day. That's what they called it. And we actually took a picture next to it. We posted it that day. It was awesome. That was great to see the whole day honoring Mariano. That was awesome to be there for. So just uh, just some things to reminisce about from my point of view. We'll read a few replies before ending here for some things that people experience themselves. I figured this would be a fun question amidst my return to Yankee Stadium and the season being kicked off again and the season starting at Yankee Stadium. So let's read some replies. First off, let's start with at DJ Nick Papa G says, Most recently, my mother and I spent her birthday at opening day last year and she called the Donaldson walk-off. That's really cool. The RBI single up the middle. I remember that. That was cool. Alrighty. Up next, we got at James Yankee saying, Rigetti's no-hitter. Opening day with the new stadium in 76, Seaver's 300th win, and if my memory is correct, I believe Rod Carew got his 3,000th hit on that same day. Did he? I didn't think so. Let me see that starts it up real quick. Rigetti's no hitter. Yeah, that's, that's a great thing to witness back in the 80s. And then uh, opening day of the new stadium. Yeah, after the reno- renovations. That's really cool. Uh, Seaver's 300th win, rather. Was August fifth and Rod Carew, three thousandth hit. That was the day before. It looks like, yeah, August fourth. Yeah, so I don't think those run the same day. But hey, listen, if it's just one day, I I can totally understand being confused by that because it's just one day and it was a long time ago. But either way, really cool that you got to see Seaver's three hundredth win. Awesome. At Rebirth Chaos 09, my good friend James, who I saw at the Yankee game again yesterday. James, it was great to see you, buddy, along with everyone else. Says, I saw the DD Grand Slam against the Twins in 2019 in the ALDS, so that's pretty cool. Volpe's first career hit, I got to see that with me. And Jeter's 3,000th hit was dope, too. I got to see Jeter's 3,000th as well and that Grand Slam. Holy crap, James. That's awesome. 
At AliBear29 says, I was at Coney's perfect game and game two of the Subway series, the Clemens and Piazza game. Ooh, that's awesome. <laughs> Coney's perfect game and the very controversial Subway series game. Wow. That's awesome, yeah. The Clemens and Piazza thing. Yeah, that's that's awesome. At Burrow Dweller 73 says, In the new stadium, Jeter's 3,000th hit. And in the old one, the game on the day of Thurman Munson's funeral in which Bobby Mercer drove in all five runs to beat the Orioles. That's awesome. Both huge moments and obviously a great day for Mercer amidst Thurman Munson's funeral. Such a tragic death, my God. I don't even know how I would have like dealt with that back then if I were alive for it. It's so awful. But listen, at least uh, Mercer and the Yankees were able to capitalize on it and give everybody something to smile about, right? But those are awesome things to be there for, man. At Andrew Caruso 77 says, In May of 2017, I was 11 years old. God, you are an infant. Oh my God. I was 11 years old, and I got to witness Aaron Judge's first big league grand slam during his rookie year. Also got to witness the Josh Donaldson and Tim Anderson bench-clearing brawl last year. Looking forward to hearing about your experiences at the game, Mike. Well, just said them before if you heard them, but those are, yeah, that's awesome. Even the JD and uh, Tim Anderson one. It's always wild to be at a game with a brawl. I don't think I've seen one in person, but that's pretty cool. At RM underscore Yank says, I was in the bleachers for Jeter's 3,000th hit. Incredible day. That's freaking awesome, man. A lot of people in these comments, they're for Jeter's 3,000th. That's amazing. I was watching that on TV, and I was beside myself. I couldn't imagine being at the stadium. At Eric Cop 21 says, Very blessed as a youngster. Jeffrey Mayer in 96, Chad Curtis in 99, David Justice in 2000, and Tino and Jeter in 01. You were there for when Mayer robbed the, took the ball away in play with the Jeter home run? Holy crap. Well, home run in parentheses <laughs> against the Orioles. Wow. That must have been a wild game to be at with all that controversy. Holy crap. Yeah, Chad Curtis, David Justice, of course. Wow. Wow. You saw all the, some of the top tier dynasty, the 90s dynasty moments into the early 2000s. Oh, God, I'm jealous. I was alive for all those except for 96, but I was far too young. So, At Sia in Vegas says, I attended the last game ever at the old Yankee Stadium, sat in the upper deck in right field, and was bonked on the head with a ball during batting practice before the game. My own fault for not paying attention. Oh, my God, are you okay? (laughs) Were you okay at the time? Holy crap. (laughs) The last ever game at the old stadium, though. Wow. I was there in the last few weeks, but I wasn't at the last game. That That's that's amazing. Being able to say goodbye to the old park in the last game. At ALG Wiz says, I was there in upper left field seats in the ALCS against KC when Chris Chambliss homered to send the Yankees to the World Series in 76. That's so epic, man. What I would give to have seen the old-time moments in person. Like, all the moments from, like, the 70s and back. My God, what I'd give. At Colleen Rand says, July 4th, 1983, I was 14. Dave Rigetti's no-hitter versus the Red Sox. A lot of people seem to have been there. That's awesome. That's so cool. I wish I could see a no-hitter in person. At Bart Akokela, I think that's how you say it. I'm sorry if I botched that, Bart. But says, Game 7, 2003, ALCS. Wow. You saw Boone's Homer? Damn. That's cool. 
At Miss Yankee says, when I saw Derek Jeter hit his 3,000th up close and personal. Well, see, another person that was there for Jeter's 3,000th. Crap. <laughs> I'm jealous. At C Pizza IA says, Game 5 2001 World Series. Paul O'Neill's final game in pinstripes. And of course, Scott Brocious's two out game tying home run in the ninth. Oh my God, I'm so jealous of some of these. <laughs> Especially like the 90s Dynasty ones and even the early 2000s. Wow. At Megan Campisi says, In 2021, the last game of the regular season when Judge walked it off. The energy in the crowd was amazing. I need to get back to the stadium. We've already spoken about this, Megan. We out on the 15th. <laughs> we are out. We're going. All right, let's just do a few more. At Talking Cameraman says, Don Mattingly last homer against Seattle in 95. Friday night lost one to nothing to the Orioles the day after Thurman passed. Those two stand out. Yeah, those are uh those are big moments. Yeah, especially the Don Mattingly one. Wow. <laughs> Hang on to the roof. <laughs> Love that call. At Lawrence Appel says, I caught a foul ball in 1966. What can be better? Catching a ball is amazing. Oh my god, that gives me that makes me even more upset when I think about the Rizzo situation yesterday. <laughs> oh god, it's gonna take me a while to get over that one. At Jerry GB seven 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 says Mickey Mantle Day is number one for me. Mickey's first old timers day. Mickey's five hundredth. Mel Stottlemyre's first start. Too many others to mention. That's amazing. Wow. Uh, that I'm speechless about. Anything having to do with Mickey Mantle, I'm speechless about. You are so lucky. Wow. At CZ October 25 says, Chambliss home run, 76 versus Royals, and Reggie's three home runs in the series. Wow. Both of those? Damn. <laughs> At Laura underscore Iceman says, I saw Giancarlo's walk-off home run against the Mariners in June of 2018. The stadium was electric. Yeah, there are a few places like Yankee Stadium for any walk-off. It's just madness. That's why I would have liked to experience another one yesterday. I've experienced walk-offs before, but yesterday something tells me that that one would have hit different. Just crazy. At Wayne OC 8011-6360 says, Jeter's 3,000th hit. The place was loud. So jealous. Still so jealous. At Baseball, Tzar says, Wells' perfect game and Mickey Mantle Day was the absolute best. The Thurman game was the saddest. That's crazy. Wow. I can't believe the people around here that go back that far. I'm so jealous. All right, let's just do a couple more. Rebecca at Peace Now for Life says, Hi, Mike. I've been to a lot of really fun games over the years, but the biggest moment I saw was Daryl Strawberry's 300th career home run in 96. It was also a walk-off win for the Yankees. Epic. Love that. At PDino13 says, The coolest in my lifetime, I was at two of the greatest. Reggie's three home run game in the World Series and the Chambliss walk-off. That's awesome. So a lot of a few replies with Reggie's three homer game and a lot with the Chambliss walk-off. Even this one. At RJ Piscotti59, 76 Chambliss home run. Wow. A lot of people saw that. Damn. Spencer at Musician DMD says, Long list. Tino's Game 1 Slam in 98. Bernie's Game 1 ALCS Walk-Off 99. 2000 World Series Games 1 and 2. 2001 ALDS NCS Clinchers. 2001 World Series Games 3, 4, and 5. 
Holy crap, you have a novel's worth here, Spencer. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to get to all of them. I'll be here for 20 minutes. Wow, Clemens 300th, Giambi's slam in the rain, Boone's walk-off, the 2009 pre-opening game versus the Cubs in the new Yankee Stadium. First opening day in the new Yankee Stadium. Wow, a lot. You've been to a lot. Good for you, man. That's awesome. Um, all right, let's do a final two as per usual. First up is my girlfriend at Vic Salimo, and Vic says, Most recently, Volpe's first career hit on August 17th of 2019, Mariano Day, when he was inducted into the Hall of Fame, and the Yankees celebrated it. Yep, mentioned that before. And yesterday, of course, with Volpe's first career hit. So that's, that's awesome. That's really cool that we'll be able to say that going forward. I really love that. All right, last but certainly not least, as per always, is my mom, Julia Gina Scudero, and she says, Hi, Mike. Boy, this is a tough question. Yeah, it is. It is to just think on the fly, especially when you have a lot to call back upon. But so many moments that are engraved in me as spectacular memories. I guess I'll choose the first the first time I heard Enter Sandman play when Mariano took the mound pitching, but all-time funnest I've witnessed live at Yankee Stadium was, I believe, in 2011 for the Subway Series, where Russell Martin hit the walk-off against the Mets. Classic moment. The stadium roared. I remember that. Yeah, wow, I can't believe it's like over 10 years ago already. That game was great. Really exciting game between the Yankees and the Mets, and Martin walked it off. I remember that. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, we got to get you back to Yankee Stadium, Mom. That's what we got to do. <laughs> it's been a while for you. We say it's been a while for me. It's also been a while for you. But guys, there were so many other replies to get to. I'm sorry for the rest of you who I didn't get to. We just don't have the time. But if you want to see the rest that I didn't get to on Twitter, just go to my Twitter page, at Mike Scudero, find the Yapping Yankees question tweet, and you can see all of them under there. But I thank all of you, whether I got to you or not, for replying. You guys do such a great job with interacting with these social media segments each and every week. I couldn't thank you enough for interacting with it, showing your love as usual, for listening today, and the whole deal. First regular season episode is in the books. I'm so glad that baseball's back, guys. I can't even put it into words how happy I am. I'm so thrilled. But nonetheless, that is all for episode 177 of Yapping Yankees. And the episodes to come in the coming weeks ought to be that much more exciting as we obviously continue to cover the remainder of the 2023 season. As for now, though, remember to follow me on all socials if you do not already. That's Mike Scudero NY on Facebook. On Twitter, it's at Mike Scudero. And Instagram, you can find me at MikeScuds97. Subscribe to all four of the platforms that Yapping Yankees is available on, please. YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and SoundCloud. If you missed any episodes, episodes 34 up to today's episode are available on YouTube. And every single episode from episode one all the way up to today, episode 177, are all available on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. But once again, I thank you 3000 for listening to me yap today, my friends. As always, I have been your host, Mike Scudero, and I will talk to you actually in two Sundays, not next Sunday, because next Sunday is Easter. I'll be spending it with my family, enjoying some good Yankee baseball as well. So I will talk to you in two Sundays on April 16th when I come at you with episode 178 of Yapping Yankees. But until then, hang in there, be patient, stay safe, look out for your loved ones, you know the deal. Be sure to kick life's ass this week, my friends, and obviously, 
enjoy regular season Yankees baseball being back on our TVs damn near every single day. I'm sure you will just as much as I will. But until the 16th, guys, have a happy Easter, enjoy Yankees baseball, and I'll talk to you on the 16th. Take care.